0: There's a guy named Joseph. You all know the story of Joseph. He's the faithful steward who couldn't be kept down. Uh, he gets sold by his brothers into slavery, almost killed, but sold by his brothers into slavery. He ends up in a foreign country and Mitchell is reading a book about Joseph right now. He's got, <laughs> it's kind of funny. But, um, but he, he gets into this house of this guy named Potiphar. He's a low servant house and suddenly, uh, without, Without very much time at all, Potiphar begins to see that this Joseph guy, man, he got a good one when he bought this Joseph guy because this guy knows what to do. And before long, he is not the lowest servant of the house, he is the highest servant of the house, administering the whole house. It said that Potiphar could take it easy. He didn't even have to worry about the affairs of his household because he knew Joseph had it covered. Well, Joseph's wife also noticed, or Potiphar's wife also noticed Joseph, and before long, uh, we go from Joseph ruling over Potiphar's house to Joseph in the dungeon. Back down again, man. You just hit rock bottom. Already twice in his life, but he doesn't stay there. There's a proverb that says that a man's gift will make, a, make room for him. And that's exactly what happens with Joseph. Uh, before long, he is not just a prisoner in the prison. He is administering the other prisoners in the prison. The guards don't have to worry about a thing because Joseph has it taken care of. He's the one making sure that the prisoners are kept in line. And he's a prisoner, too. And all during this time, he meets these two guys that used to work for the king. He interprets their dreams, interprets them rightly, and He tells the one, remember me when you get restored. Well, the guy gets restored. He doesn't remember Joseph. Two years go by, Pharaoh has a bad dream, and this guy's like, oh, yeah, I met this guy in prison. How would you like to tell that story to the king? Yeah, remember when you threw me in prison? I met this guy that interprets dreams. Sounds a little too good to be true, but it wasn't. Because God's hand was on Joseph and he goes from being a prisoner in a dungeon to being the second in command over all of Egypt, administering a food program to feed people from all the way around the world and make Egypt one of the greatest nations of its day. In fact, the greatest nation of that time. In large part due to God's hand on his faithful steward, Joseph. When we look at the story of Joseph, we see faithful stewardship in action. We see a man who knows how to take care of the things with which he has been entrusted. And the same calling that Joseph lived out is a calling on us to be faithful stewards of the things that we are given. Paul talks to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 4.2, and he tells them moreover... He says that basically, I've been made a steward of God's grace. And in addition to me just being a steward of it, it is required that stewards of stewards that they be found faithful. We are not given stuff. We do not have the resources that we have simply to squander them and waste them away. We have them with the charge to deal with them wisely. And so this morning, I want to bring the Proverbs to bear on wisdom for faithful stewardship. I want us to take a look at them, but before we look in the Proverbs, we need to look in the Psalms. Psalm chapter 24. If you have your Bibles, I pray that you do. Psalm 24. We won't read very many verses this morning from there, but What I find when we're looking through the Proverbs especially, but even the whole Bible in general, is that we find that there are some specific principles for being a faithful steward. Some things that faithful stewards do that we can emulate. Keep in mind, this stewardship is not just stewardship of money. It's not just the way you manage your finances, the way you allocate your retirement accounts, the way that you allocate your time or your resources, your physical resources. Though those things play a big part of this, there's more to it than that. Because stewardship is about time. It's about managing your time. It's about managing the things that you have. It's about managing the relationships that you have. Stewardship is about managing everything that has been entrusted to you. So let's look and see what, what some things that faithful stewards do. The first that I find is that faithful stewards put God first. And there's a reason for that. The whole reason that we are stewards is that we don't own it. Everybody, turn to your neighbor and say, We don't own it. Now turn to your other neighbor and say, Neither do you. I'm sorry, Melba, you don't have a neighbor. Poor Melba. We do not own it, God does. Psalm 24, look at verses 1 and 2. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For He has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who does it belong to? It belongs to God. Before you start to think, my stuff, remind yourself, it ain't my stuff. When we were getting married... Uh, I got called out by the minister um, through premarital counseling because I kept saying my, and he said, it's not going to be yours, it, it's, it's, it's y'all's, it's, it's both of yours. It's not me, it's we. But even more than that, it's not really me or we, is it? It's he. It belongs to him. The earth is the Lord's, the psalmist says, in the fullness. There, everything belongs to him. He made it. You kind of get that prerogative when you make it from nothing. You get to say that it's yours. It's his. He's the rightful owner. And that makes us managers of God's stuff. This is why faithful stewards put God first, because God is the owner. A steward, by his very nature, is responsible for administering the assets of another person for the benefit of the rightful owner. That's who a steward is. And so faithful stewards recognize very first that I'm not the owner, God is the owner, and my responsibility is to the owner to manage his resources faithfully, rightly, wisely. So they put God first. We read a few weeks ago in Proverbs chapter 3, Verses nine and ten. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. The point is when you put God first, when you put God first and recognize that he is the owner and that you are merely the manager, that is the first step to faithful stewardship. I have to remind myself that it ain't mine. And when I do, I recognize that I need to deal with this in a way that pleases God. And that puts a whole different perspective on life. Does the, the money you're spending on this particular item or with this monthly bill, is that honoring God? Is it honoring God for you to... Buy things with credit card to pay loads of interest on it later? Does that really honor God? Does it honor God for you to waste money every time you get it instead of saving it up? Does it honor God for you to give what happens to be left over because you were too busy wasting the rest? See, it puts a whole different perspective does it honor God for you to treat that person badly does it honor God for you as a manager or as a leader or as an owner of a business does it honor God for you to mistreat your employees what about that cable guy Does it honor him for you to mistreat him when he's in your house providing you a service does it honor God for you to withhold a tip from the waitress because it took too long to get the food? Does it honor God for us not to use the resources He's given us in ways that are wise and in accordance with biblical principles? No. The whole point is to honor God, to put God first. And faithful stewards do that. They put God first because he's the owner, because he's in charge. Proverbs 14, 31. Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker. You catch that? Whoever oppresses a poor man. This isn't just about money. This isn't just about stuff. It's about the way we relate with people. When you are oppressing a poor man, you're slapping God in the face. But he who is generous to the needy honors him. The person who puts God first recognizes that what he has, he does not have for his own benefit, but for the benefit of the owner. And he uses it in that kind of way. Faithful stewards put God first. The second thing, faithful stewards think things through. They don't just act rashly. They don't just go on a whim. They think about things. They plan ahead. The plans of the diligent, Proverbs 21.5, lead surely to abundance. There's three things in that verse, that first part of that verse. You got plans. You got someone who is making a plan. Then you have someone that doesn't just make the plan, but carries the plan out. That's the diligent part. And there's a reward that leads to abundance. The person who makes a good plan and sticks with it is going to generally see success but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty people want get rich quick schemes that's not faithful stewardship you know how many lottery winners are broke within a couple years it's, it's it's just plain dumb you win a lottery don't get broke the next year because you've wasted it all you know That should be a blessing. Why is it a curse? Because you didn't know how to handle the money to start with. The plans of the diligent, they lead to abundance. You make a plan, you carry it out, God's going to bless that effort. uh, Prepare your work outside, Proverbs 24, 27, and get everything ready for yourself in the field. And after that, build your house. You ever see someone try to build a house before they get the foundation ready? There's a reason not. I didn't build a house this way, but I've done projects. I've done things where I've started them, but started in the wrong place and then had to go back and take it apart and redo it because I got something wrong at the beginning or I missed something at the beginning. It's a pain in the neck to have to rebuild a whole Lego set because you messed up one step, and because you messed up that one step, nothing else works after that. Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about, but some of you know exactly what I'm talking about you put together that bookshelf and you use the wrong piece and before you know it you're having to take it back apart because it, it's not right do you see you see what i'm saying here they they think things through they plan ahead they don't just rush into it they also consider counsel proverbs 15:22 without counsel plans fail you know why? Because you're not smart enough to think of all the situations that can go wrong. Amen? You ever, you ever tried to do that? I've got this, and then something happens that you didn't see coming? That's exactly why without counsel, plans fail. Because without counsel, somebody isn't in your ear saying, Dummy, don't do that. I've made that mistake before. Some things, look, there are some things that y'all see that I will never see. There are some things that I see that you will never see. And if we try to do this by ourselves, any kind of great thing you try to do by yourself, you're going to mess it up. Because without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. And I would add to that, some of those advisors need to be... Some of those advisors need to have the courage to say, that's a dumb idea. You need to have advisors that will hit you with all kinds of objections. Not just so you can get mad at somebody, but so you can hear some sound wisdom. Because often in the objection is a genuine concern that you haven't accounted for yet. Without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, and I would say many advisors with different perspectives, they succeed. Proverbs twenty eighteen. Plans are established by counsel, by wise guidance. Wage war. Don't go to war on a whim. Be careful. If you're going to do something big, if you're going to do something important, if you're going to do something that can be extremely costly, take good counsel. Don't sign legal paperwork unless you've had someone who knows what they're looking at read it over. Someone on your side. You don't buy a house without a realtor. And if you do, you learn very quickly why realtors are in business. It's so complicated. You don't do your taxes on your own unless you're like me. And I promise you, I've probably missed some stuff. Not on purpose not trying to hide money from the government or anything, just, just not knowing how to appropriately handle. In fact, a few years ago, I I remember a specific mistake I made. And when I learned about it, I corrected it. Thankfully, I was able to correct it. I wasn't like behind on the eight ball and owed penalties and interest and that sort of thing. But it's difficult to do when you're not taking good counsel, isn't it? Some of y'all are like, I would never even worry about taxes. I'll just take it to my H&R Block guy on April April the 14th and let him handle it. By the way, if you want your tax guy to charge you double, do that. (laughs) I promise you, you are not getting a good rate if you're doing that. Um, They also avoid unnecessary risks. I put unnecessary in parentheses because some risks are actually good. Some risks you need to take. It's a risk to do certain things that are worthwhile. In fact, You probably should be taking some kind of risk because anything worthwhile has risk. It's just the nature of it. Investing has risk. You get a good play, though, it does well for you. Opening a business has risk. But if you do it right, you can reap reward. Just about every worthwhile decision we do has risk. Telling a friend about Jesus has risk they may not hear you they may not want to hear you they may not want to be around you anymore there's a risk but it's worthwhile not to lose a friend but to make sure they have the opportunity to accept the savior that's a worthwhile that makes the risk worthwhile but there's some risks that are just plain dumb you shouldn't do them they're unnecessary and they're way too high for no benefit whatsoever. Those are the kind of risks that faithful stewards avoid. Proverbs twenty sixteen. take a man's garment when he has put up security for a stranger. Hold it in pledge when he puts up security for foreigners. If somebody is going to borrow money from you for a total stranger, you better take collateral because that's, that's just asking for trouble. 22, verses 16, or verses 26 and 27. Be not one of those who gives pledges, who put up security for debts. If you have nothing with which to pay, why should your bed be taken from under you? There are some risks that are just too great. And faithful stewards don't take those risks. There's another side to this, too. It's not just about money, it's not just about co-signing a loan for someone else or something like that there's also risk that you take in trying to do good things proverbs 20 25 it is a snare to say rashly; it is holy and to reflect only after making vows do you remember there's this bible story of a guy who made a very rash vow He said to God, whatever the first thing that comes out of the house is, I will offer a sacrifice. It's not a very smart vow to make, especially when your daughter is the first one out of the house. I wish I could remember who that was. It's a very, it's an easy thing to do to just want to give. It's a good thing to do to want to give. But sometimes you need to think carefully about what you give. You ever write a check and then come to find out that you didn't have the money to back it up? <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever agreed to help somebody and then wished later that you hadn't said anything? Because maybe that day was already booked or maybe... Maybe there was another problem. You had an appointment or you realize after the fact that this is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. This takes a lot stronger back than I have. You ever do that? Of course we have. Sometimes our mouth writes checks that our bodies can't cash. It just happens. We want to help. We want to do the right thing. But because we don't reflect... We take a risk that we shouldn't take. Faithful stewards think things through. They're careful. That doesn't mean they waste all their time thinking things through and they never follow through with what they should do. It just means that they take the time to do it carefully and to do it rightly. That's faithful stewardship. There are times for quick decisions. There are times when you just got to go with your gut and hope that it works out and, and that, that's fine. But many times we have a chance to make wise decisions and wise decisions often come from deliberation. Faithful stewards are willing to do that. Faithful stewards use their resources wisely. Proverbs thirteen seven says, One pretends to be rich yet has nothing. Do you ever know somebody like that? They buy things they don't need with money they don't have to impress people they don't like. Seventy percent of Americans, if they miss their next paycheck, would overdraw. They go paycheck to paycheck. I, I think the average credit card debt is somewhere in the tens of thousands of dollars. Average. That's just crazy. Pretending to be rich when really you're just racking up debt. There's a day that debt's going to come due. That's what scares me about our national deficit. We we borrow money as a country like it's going out of style. And there's one day, and those bills are going to come due, there's one day that we're going to have to pay the price. We pretend to be rich. And in many ways we are, but yet... We're just borrowing. Borrowing to pay for lots of promises. Borrowing to pay for lots of programs. Borrowing to pay for lots of bureaucrats. And eventually one day the bills are going to come due. Look at the second part of this verse. Yet another pretends to be poor, yet has great wealth. Something I like about Warren Buffett. He's lived in the same house for like 50 years I probably have a bigger house than Warren Buffett does. I'd gladly switch, you know, accounts and house. Though I may not want to live where he lives. He lives modestly. He uses resources wisely. That's why he's got so much money. Not only is he smart in his business dealings, but he deals with the money wisely. Wisely. And because of that, he's able to do great things with it. Proverbs 13, 25 says, The righteous has enough to satisfy his appetite, but the belly of the wicked suffers one. You know why the righteous has enough to satisfy his appetite? Because he doesn't have a very big appetite. The righteous man knows that it's not in having lots and lots of stuff that he's going to be happy. The righteous man knows that it's because he's putting God first. God is the actual owner, so I need to manage it well for his sake, not for my sake. The righteous man knows how to live his life so that I shall not want. You see, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. what does not just mean God gives you everything that you want to have, and so you don't want anything because God gives you tons and tons. It means I don't want because I've got enough. See, really greed, what it really boils down to is telling God, you're not giving me enough. You're not enough for me. Faithful stewards, they use their resources wisely because they know where to draw the line. I've got enough. I don't need to squander. I don't need to constantly want other things. I don't need to live my life with, with eyes gleaming over some product in a store window or on a television ad. I don't need that. I don't want that. That's faithful stewardship. Proverbs 23. Be not among drunkards or among gluttonous eaters of meat. For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty and slumber will clothe them with rags. This is what happens when you do want too much. You know what a drunkard is? Someone who can't get enough alcohol. You know what a glutton is? Someone who can't get enough food. What happens? They're not satisfied. More, 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 more. When God says, am I not enough? Faithful stewards use their resources wisely. And in doing that, they help those in need. Proverbs eleven twenty four. 24, I think we mentioned this last week. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers one. Faithful stewards recognize that what they have is not just for their benefit, it's for the benefit of the owner, but the owner has given it to them so that they can be a benefit to others around them. Maybe those needs are financial needs. Maybe they're physical needs. We, got, we sold a refrigerator to a guy yesterday from that yard sale. He was giving it away to someone else. He said their refrigerator went out and they got, they got a young kid and, and they, they got to have cold food wrestled with his truck for hours to get it to work, to get here to be able to pick up the fridge. Now don't you know that a person with that kind of heart is doing God's work? Don't you know that that's the kind of person who's a faithful steward? That's the kind of person that says, there's a need, I have enough, I can meet that need. Sometimes I'm amazed at how much, how much we are capable of doing if we will just open our eyes to the need. If If we just see with God's eyes, we are capable of doing such great things. Proverbs 28, 27, whoever gives to the poor will not want. Do you know why he won't want? Because he finds that he has enough. But he who hides his eyes will get many a curse. God's put needs all around us, church. Let's be faithful stewards of the grace that he's given us. Finally, faithful stewards trust God with the outcome. You know why? They can't control it anyway. Proverbs 27, 1. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. You can't even see the next day. How many of you know where you're eating lunch today? How many of you know where you're eating lunch tomorrow? There you go. I know where I'm eating lunch. I'm working, so I get lunch for free. That's, that's, I bet I'll be eating chicken. Um, don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. How do you know you're going to wake up? How do you know that when you wake up, you're not going to be rushing somebody you love to a hospital or getting rushed to a hospital? How do you know that when you wake up tomorrow, your plan might be completely different? Things, you, you don't know what's going to happen. If you don't believe me, Watch the meteorologists. They show this perfectly. They don't know. They give me they make good guesses. Sometimes they get it right. Sometimes they don't. We really don't know. Watch watch how the scope of a uh, where a hurricane is going changes. That cone that cone uh, that you know why they give that cone? Because they don't know. They're guessing. Like, this is the most likely region that that hurricane... But we really don't know. They call it, in fact, a cone of uncertainty. There you go. And don't... don't, you got to keep up with it, because it changes constantly. Every three hours, they come up with new updates. It gets close to land. Sometimes it's every hour. They recognize... They have to trust God with the outcome because they they don't have any control. They're not the ones in control. One of the best things about being a faithful steward is that God does not ask you for the maximal outcome. He asks you for maximal faithfulness in doing your part. You don't have to make it all work. You just got to do the best you can that's all God asks. Just give me your best. It ain't good enough. (laughs) Let's be honest. It ain't good enough. That's okay. Just give me your best anyway. I'll make it good. God controls the outcome. The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. You may have a plan. You may have a route that you're going to take to get to a certain destination. You may have a a laid out step-by-step plan of where you're going to go and what you're going to do. But it's God that determines where you actually go, where your feet walk. A few years ago, I had an idea of what I thought my life was going to look like. Overall, I've learned something. Maybe my ideas are completely wrong. Maybe they're pretty close to right. But I can't determine every single step. I have to rely on him. I have to. Anybody else find that? Yeah. You you just go your own way for a while. Watch what happens. There's a way that seems right to a man, but it leads to death. The lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. That's faith faith it rolls the dice not because you're just looking for some kind of random answer but because you trust that god is in control of the dice they, the high priest used to keep two things in a pocket in a shirt i guess shirt uh, it wouldn't be called a shirt it was it was in inside the breastplate that he wore one was called the urim and one was called the thumim And it'd be kind of, um, we would refer to it today as like flipping a coin. You pull one out, it would give you one answer. You pull another out, it would give you the other answer. You ask a yes or no question, you pull out. Nope, that's, that's the urim, that means this. You pull out the thumim, that's, that's the other answer. That's the way they treated decisions. Is this God's will or not? That's what they did. Now, were they doing that because they lacked faith? No. They believed that God was in control of which one you'd pull out of the pocket. They believed that he would guide your steps, that he would guide the decision so that even if you're doing something of a random chance, 50-50 chance of being right or wrong, doesn't matter. God's in control. He'll give you the right answer. Haman consulted the gods to find out what day should I kill the Jews. God controlled the decision, didn't he? See, you can you can cast lots. You can plan your steps. You can do everything you can to make the right decision. And those are good things to do and you should do those things. But in the end, God's in control of the outcome. And faithful stewards know that they have to trust God. That it can't just be Relying on my own strength, leaning on my own understanding that I just have to trust God. Proverbs twenty-one thirty-one: The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. No matter what you're facing, no matter how your horses may need to be prepared for battle, no matter what you're trying to do, whether it's good or it's bad, whether it's a a vision of of a way forward or whether it's just how do I make it through the day, faithful stewards put God first because He's the owner. Faithful stewards think things through. Plan their way carefully. Faithful stewards use their resources wisely. They don't squander them. Faithful stewards help those in need. They don't only seek to benefit themselves. And faithful stewards trust God with the outcome. We all have something we are given by God to be stewards of. Whether it's people, children or grandchildren, family, neighbors, relatives, whether it's time. Some of us have lots of time on our hands. Some of us don't. Whether it's, well, I take that back. We all have 168 hours a week, don't we? 24 hours a day, seven days a week until we die. We all have that. Some of us have resources that are financial. We have great amounts of money or decent amounts of money. or Some of us have not much money at all. Some of us have loads of stuff. Stuff that we don't even want to think about how much stuff we have. God forbid we have to move it all. We all have resources that are entrusted to us. Faithful stewards know who the owner is. And they seek to please him with everything they do. It's what made Joseph such a great steward. He just sought to honor God where he was. didn't matter whether he was a slave or a prisoner or an administrator who answered only to Pharaoh. Joseph sought to honor God with his life, with the resources that he had or the resources that he managed. And we see the results. God uses him to preserve his family lineage. They would end up bringing us people like Moses, David, and even Jesus. Because he was faithful to steward what he had. morning you have resources that you need to steward there is something in your charge that you are called to faithfully administer would you do that we're going to pray and then we're going to sing a verse of invitation and I invite you to come maybe you need someone to pray with you I'll be up here at the front maybe you maybe you find that your place to honor God with your stewardship is right here among this body of believers within this church. I'd love to help you do that. Maybe you just need to give your heart to Christ and recognize that He's really the one who owns you, not you, not someone else that you've been serving. But it's really, you belong to Him. I'd love to help you do that. You come while we sing this song right after we pray. Father God, I pray that you would do your work in us, that we would be faithful stewards. You've given us life. You've given us your gospel. You've given us stuff. You've given us time. You've given us relationships with people. These things are all, they all belong to you. You're the owner of every single one of them. We can't claim any of them as our own. Our voices are not our own. Our plans, may they not be of our own. Design, but of yours everything we have everything we do may all be yours but may we be good faithful stewards dealing with them in the way that you want us to showing biblical wisdom in the way we handle what belongs to you father god this morning pray that we would be faithful stewards with our lives with our stuff with your gospel i pray that you would find us faithful as we seek to bring you glory through our management of these things help us lord jesus in your name we pray amen